Welcome to Vision is More Than 2020, a podcast aimed at talking about your vision, your eyes, and how they play a role in overall visual and systemic function. Dr. Zolnicki and Lakowski, with the help of various guests, will work to help you understand more about your visual system and all the pieces to the vision puzzle. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Vision is More Than 2020. We hope that you liked our first case that we brought last week. We have another exciting guest on today to share a really interesting case that isn't your typical one. Before we do that, we just want to highlight our weekly insight, which is that we celebrated our Christmas party in October. (laughs) Um, We wanted to make sure that we got a holiday party in this year because we unfortunately did not get to do one last year. And with me being pregnant and due uh, January 1st, we just wanted to make sure that nothing was going to thwart our plans of getting together and celebrating the office and the girls and just spending some time together. And this year looked a little different than most years because we actually got to invite everyone's family over to my parents' house to have a pizza party. My dad has a pizza oven. So we got to have all of the kids together. And it was such a wonderful day to just be together outside of the office and spend time together. So I encourage those that are listening that are doctors uh, to really celebrate your staff and make sure that everyone feels like family because we do tend to spend more time with the people at work than we do at home with our own family. Yes, I just want to reiterate, it was such a special time. A big thank you to Dr. Z and her parents for hosting and just setting up such a wonderful setup for everybody. And it was so precious to see all the kids finally meet because most of them had never met each other and played together. And it was a really, really special day. So big thank you for planning everything. And now for our case series episode today, we are being joined by Dr. Manisha Geiger. She provides comprehensive optometric care with an emphasis on pediatric optometry, binocular vision disabilities, vision development, vision therapy, and neurorehabilitation. Dr. Geiger received her bachelor in science from SUNY at Stony Brook in 1992 and her doctor of optometry degree from SUNY College of Optometry in New York City in 1996. She then completed an externship in pediatric and vision therapy at Beth Israel Hospital in New York, during which she expanded her knowledge of amblyopia and strabismus diagnosis and treatment and perceptual skills training. It was here after caring for children with special needs that Dr. Geiger realized her true passion. Dr. Geiger is knowledgeable in sports vision care and training, post-concussion analysis, and post-traumatic brain injury rehabilitation, skills that have been helpful both on a personal and professional level, as she's also the mother of two very active boys. Dr. Geiger has been a licensed and practicing doctor of optometry since 1996. She began practice in Arizona in 1998. She's a member in good standing with the American Optometric Association, Neurooptometric Rehabilitation Association, and College of Optometrists in Vision Development. This episode is brought to you by Luminous. For over 50 years, Luminous has developed innovative gold standard devices for eye care, like the first SLT laser, the first argon laser photocoagulator, and the revolutionary dual path SLT and YAG laser. Luminous, the inventor of intense pulse light, or IPL, is proud to announce the first and only IPL system to receive FDA approval for management of dry eye disease and to launch OptiLite, a bright solution for dry eyes. OptiLite uses Luminous's patented optimal pulse technology to allow consistent, precise, and controlled treatment. If your patients suffer from dry, gritty, tired eyes, and dry eye disease due to meibomian gland dysfunction that is impacting their quality of life and their vision, OptiLite puts the power for treating dry eye disease in the palm of your hand. OptiLite breaks the dry, vicious cycle of inflammation and delivers improvement in tear breakup time and other clinical signs of dry eye disease. 
To learn how you can elevate dry eye management with OptiLite, visit Luminous.com slash OptiLite. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Geiger. We are so excited to have you join us again. And today we're going to be highlighting a very special case of yours. And before we get into your case, for anyone that didn't listen to your first episode, just give us a little background on yourself and your journey in optometry. Sure. Um, and I'm really happy to be here again. Um, I I just have to say I've been following your podcast um, ever since and, and before. And even for, for somebody who's in the field and knows about vision, um, I always learn something new. So um, again, I think it's, it's wonderful that you both take the time in your busy lives and your busy practices to actually do this, to educate the, the public because it's so important. Um, so, but yeah, a little bit about my journey. I graduated optometry school in 1996 and um, as I said before, I have always loved vision therapy. I'd uh, been involved in the head trauma clinic at SUNY um, College of Optometry and um, knew that that was going to be what my focus would, um, was going to be in my practice once I was able to establish one. Um, got, I moved uh, to Arizona uh, shortly, like a year after that. So I got involved with practices that really didn't embrace um, pediatrics or vision therapy and kind of stayed, um, dabbled in it on and off when I could. And then finally opened my own practice in 2014, um, sorry, 2017. And then I've been, um, yeah, I've been kind of going full force ever since. And the biggest eye opener is just, is just the need. Uh, I, I, really, I mean, I, I think everyone knows when you start a new business, it's it's scary and you have a huge financial commitment and time commitment and you hope it works, but you don't know it's going to work. And um, just within the first year, year and a half, I realized um, what a big hole there was in the community here for vision therapy and neurooptometric education and the practice has just grown since. Um, my focus ha- has become more of the uh, head trauma and um, neurological insults. And uh, that's kind of where my, my case report's going to be fo- to focus on today. Um, but you, yeah, but we do everything. So wonderful. It's so nice when you can finally get back to the, your roots. I think that a lot, I think we probably mentioned this last time is when you get out of optometry school, you just kind of take a job, right? Because you want to work and you want to use it. And then you sometimes get locked into just working and not practicing what you're passionate about. So I always think it's so wonderful that you've circled back to what has always drawn you to optometry. So tell us a little bit about your case, because this is not a typical one that we see. Last week, we highlighted uh, convergence insufficiency, which is one of the most well-known, whereas your case is very unique. So talk to us about your patient, what brought them into you, how did they find you? Just give us the introduction to your patient. Sure. Um, So this was a 65-year-old white female, lovely, lovely lady, Um, very, uh, very strong, very determined um, and independent, Um, loved to travel. She and her husband were retired and um, she was referred to me by a a colleague and a friend who was um, is is a wonderful optometrist and is what we would 
I guess we would call he was performed one of these OD saves that you would you would never think of. Um, so he did his annual examination with her involving a visual field test and discovered um, some abnormal findings on the visual field, which led to sending her for some imaging. And um, they discovered that she had a meningioma on the right side of her brain. And so she uh, underwent surgery. And this is going back to, to July of 2018. So she, she went through um, a craniotomy where they, they had to enter from the right orbital zygomatic um, um, area. Uh, so again, very close to her right eye. They had that's, that's how, the best way to kind of get in it, which is very it's more common. That I this is something new that I learned um, is a is a common place for neurosurgeons to enter the brain because the um, the bone structure there is a little bit more fragile. There's more sinus cavities, and it's kind of uh, a easier access, I guess, to to the brain if it's at all possible. So. Um, Anyway, so she had the surgery and um, had a seizure one week after the surgery. And so she, as soon as she was feeling better and she was able, she came in to see me. And this was about a month after the procedure now. When I first saw her, uh, she needed her husband's assistance to maneuver around the office. She was kind of holding the wall. She was out of balance. Um, very unsure of where she was in her environment. And uh, uh, on further testing, we, we realized why this was. She, her vision in the right eye was at 2150 and in the left eye was 2070. Um, so the, the patient had gone years with monovision. Um, she had had cataract surgery and chosen to have the implants placed in where her right eye was dominant for distance and her left eye she used for reading. And now due to this unfortunate event, um, she can no longer see out of her right eye, which she relied on for, for distance. Um, color vision in the right eye uh, was, was deficient, uh, pretty much didn't get any of the plates on the Ishihara um, test plates. She got 10 out of 14 in the left eye Pupils were unequal. Uh, she had a positive APD in the right eye. Her visual fields, the right eye was just, just an overall diminished field. I mean, no, no consistency at all. And the left eye, she had some temporal visual field defects. So on eye movement testing, she had a very prominent nystagmus in primary gaze, um, but not at first. She, she did pretty well, but after she had to sustain her gaze on a, a single object, um, the nystagmus would, would come about. And um, for those people that may not know what nystagmus is, where you see the eyes kind of shaking, um, doing kind of a horizontal, a fast beat movement. And um, her pursuits, her saccades were horrible. And on um, ocular health testing, it, it all made sense because her optic nerve looked, looked paler than, than usual. So she was probably at about a grade two out of four optic nerve power. So at this stage, I'm like, I know we could help her, but um, I, I, and I like to kind of put a little note in there as to what I think the prognosis will be for this patient. 
um, just to be upfront and our, where our expectations are all on the same page. And so normally they're pretty good. I gave her a fair prognosis to get to where she wanted to be. Um, and again, very, very independent, very high functioning. They had travel plans. They were going to go on cruises. You know, she wanted to be a hundred percent better. Um, and that was a really scary thing to promise. So, um, we, we went ahead and got her in for, uh, for vision therapy or what I like to call it when they have an acquired brain injury of sorts or a neurological insult. Uh, we call it neuro, neuro-optometric rehabilitation therapy. So um, it's, it's really more uh, neuro-re-education and, and rehabbing the brain so, and how the, the vision and the eyes connect to the brain. So we started her on eight sessions of NORT. And um, we do reevaluations after every eight sessions. So about two months later, this is now November, 2018, her um, right visual fields showed a slight improvement. Um, vision acuity, acuity and color vision uh, remained the same. The pupils were now equal, um, which is exciting to see. Um, I look at pupils um, kind of correlating to how how well that that person's going to be able to see and so the fact that the pupils were changing was letting me know that okay she's got some accommodation now that maybe that eye is trying to start to focus um and uh some connection is starting to be made um so the left eye um started going exotropic though the left eye is now going out um and again, that might've been an indication because she's tried to kick in the right eye, you know, the, the left eye, which had been her reading eye is, 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 just, is the brain just can't get the two eyes to focus together yet. They haven't learned how to be binocular. So one or the other is going to, to start to let go. Um, so we're seeing a little exo posture that wasn't there. Her visual acuity, um, we were able to correct, with correction, we were able to get a little bit better. So she's at 2100 in the right eye with correction, and she can correct a 2020 in the left eye with correction. And we noticed that her balance and her gait are starting to improve when she does have that correction on. All right, and so um, we decided to uh, recheck her prescription in January now. It's January 2019, about six months after the event. And um, patient is going on vacation. She wanted to be able to see the sites and she wanted to have the best correction possible. So we didn't do a full evaluation, but we, we said, okay, you know, let's, let's get you into the best that we can. And to my surprise, she corrected to 2060 in that right eye and still 2020 in the left eye, which is awesome. And this is um, with approximately the same refraction. So it's not like she needed more power to get there or anything was shifting in her prescription. She was a minus a quarter in that right eye, but, but her brain is just starting to connect with that, with her eyes and the visual acuity is starting to improve. Um, so we lost her for three weeks. She was going on this vacation. So we like, you know, that's fine. We're gonna take it at your pace and vacations are important. We never tell them not to do that. But we did load her up with a lot of homework exercises to, to keep going while she was on vacation and to complete while she was there. Um, and fortunately, she's super, super motivated and you know was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be diligent. I'm gonna keep going where, wherever I am. So she did. Um, and then she comes back for follow-up um, April of 2019 now. So we're about nine months after the uh, surgery for, for the meningioma. 
And, you know, she's, she's excited. She's telling us, oh my gosh, I feel like the right eye is getting better. I feel like I'm seeing better. And um, so we do the evaluation and her visual acuity in her right eye is now at 2050 corrected and um, visual field is still diminished, but she's getting a little bit better on that. And um, at this point, um, looking at the optic nerve and how pale it was, I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, that's pretty good. This is probably as good as we're gonna get in that visual acuity. Um, and we're gonna focus on the visual field. So we're, we went ahead and we continued therapy, but um, I wanted to really, um, you know, work on, um, on her peripheral vision and trying to get more of that visual field. Um, and this, this is, I don't know if this came from a lecture or if this is just something that I like to see, but I typically don't stop with trying to change the visual field until that visual field makes sense in terms of being, having delineated margins in, in some manner. And, um, you know, we've all, we've learned in school, like where, depending on the parietal, the temporal lobe, where the lesion is, um, you know, what we should be seeing on a visual field, pie in the sky or pie in the floor and, and it, you know, or hemi and, and it looks like I, I am very, very sharp lines and you know exactly what lobe that's affecting. And hers just didn't look like that yet. It was still just overall diminished and kind of scattered and, um, it just, it didn't make, make sense to what was going on with where her particular meningioma was. Um, so we, we kept pushing forward, which she was more than happy to do. Um, and so now uh, her next recheck is in December of 2019. And we've completed about 24 sessions of the neurooptometric rehabilitation therapy. She is 16 months um, post-surgery. And um, she came, comes in excited and she says, you know what, I feel like I can read like the little captions on the television now and things are less blurry and, and all along she's been a pretty diligent reader. So she, she did continue to do her close work. So um, she just found it was easier to, to track and to be able to, to read her material. Um, color vision did not improve in the right eye, um, but she has stereo vision now. She's at about 200 seconds of arc. Her depth perception is better. Her vision in the right eye with correction is now at 2020 minus three letters. And this is with a minus 50 correction. And her left eye is at 2020. So I was shocked because, again, in my mind, I didn't think we were ever going to get her to 2020. Just the optic nerve was pale. She had gone through all of this stuff and it was, the visual field looked Look jumbled and it just wasn't going to happen but we got to 2020. Which explains the development of the binocularity right for those listening um, the brain right we have a right eye image and a left eye image and then our brain has to put it together and that's what's the basis of the depth so when sometimes the images are so far from in terms of clarity from each other it's really hard for the brain to put those two together so it makes sense that she was feeling all of these changes, right, in her real life, right, like her depth perception was better, she could see better, she could, she was able to ambulate better, because that acuity was coming closer to closer together, and her two eyes were then working together, um, so that's, that, that's really exciting, I can't, um, both you, I wish people could, this was a, a live podcast, because you would have saw both Dr. L and I's faces go like, oh, 
Oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gosh, and you know, I think we've said this before. There's there are so many tears with what we do. I mean, so there most of the time, there are tears of relief or you know, tears of happiness. Thankfully, but um, this was definitely one of those moments because it, it was you know, I was like, oh my God, did you just read that line? <laughs> you know, and yeah, I mean, totally totally get that emotion because it, it, it was spot on as to what was going on. Um, and yeah, thank you for that. Absolutely. The um, stereo vision was, you know, was the first clue that, that definitely something the two eyes are now engaging together. Right. And I love when our patients can surprise us in that way and they exceed our expectations and goals that we have set for them. Um, it's important to keep that in mind to never stop and keep going because you can achieve great progress like you did with your patient. And this is someone who was so high functioning and really had almost every single neurological effect on her system that you could have, right? Her color vision was affected, her visual acuity, her visual field, her pupil function. Um, and then therefore, because of this big asymmetry between the two eyes, her binocular system was unaffected. So she really had almost every single piece hit, which can have a huge impact on your, your function throughout your day. Um, so I think that's really wonderful that you were able to give her back a lot of that. And going back to your therapy program that you did with her, just what did that kind of look like? Like what were some early stage activities that you did? And then how did you build up to her capabilities towards the end of therapy? Gosh, oh my gosh, early on. And, and I still laugh about this because we, we didn't even have a chart that was big enough for her to start on her, on her saccade and her eye movements. And I remember going to the copier and enlarging these letters and taping together like six sheets of paper so she could see something and just start somewhere. And, um, you know, in the beginning, it's very, very basic with these neurological patients. We do, you know, thumb pursuits, we do um, large letter saccades and um, some, some balance work. And um, that was, you know, she could do well up close. So we, we started where she can achieve and just started to open up her environment slowly. And, um, you know, by the end of it, um, she, you know, she purchased an anaglyph kit for, cause she now had binocularity and we were work, she kept working at home. Um, so um, I didn't, I didn't complete it, but if you want me to go through the, the very end really quickly, she was, um, her visual field was was good in the left eye was completely full by the end of um, by at that evaluation, and she still had a little bit of a visual field loss. So um, we we decided to go ahead and continue with an, uh, eight more sessions again because she was super motivated and really worked with yoked prism a lot to improve that visual field in the right side. And um, you know, we uh, by April 2020 she felt like she was completely back to normal. She was working on more core strength and balance. And in saw her in July, 2020, vision was still at, um, I'm sorry, yes, July, 2020, her vision was still at 2020. <laughs> Visual field um, in the right eye, unfortunately did not, did not change. Um, but we consider that a, a win because now it's delineated, it's easier to monitor. So when she sees her, her regular doctor annually, um, we know that there aren't any further tumors or isn't anything else going on. That visual field is staying stable and, and it's just, you know, where deline as delineated as it was before. And then lastly, saw her in July of 2021, after a year after she had graduated. And um, even though the color vision had not improved, 
um, which we kind of expect because that optic nerve was pale and I don't think that would have come back, um, everything else was staying stable. So by the end of it, um, you know, we were working on a lot of stereo activities and balance and walking rails and just integrating all kinds of movement, um, which is typically when we know that they're, they're ready to graduate. But, but yes, it was, it was a um, very creative start for sure. Yeah, I, I think this is, I'm so glad that you brought this case to share with our listeners because it's not our typical one. Um, what would you say are your biggest lessons and takeaway from this case as a practitioner um, with it being so unique? Well, I mean, one of the things you guys definitely hit on, um, we never, never give up on the patient. And we see it from both ends. You have patients that come in that are super, super motivated and, um, you know, they just want to really make this work. And, and you, yes, we have to be careful to overpromise, but um, if they want to go forward, I think what I learned from it is, is let's, let's give it a try. Even if it's giving them some stuff to do at home and continuing to, to monitor them um, because you never know you know, there's, there's those surprises. And, you know, unfortunately, if you have the people that aren't motivated, no matter what you try to do with them in office or at home, we're just not going to get results. And, and that's probably the, the biggest difference. We can see all these signs and, and, and numbers and, and, and things for, um, for showing improvement, but ultimately it has to relate to that patient's activities of daily living and how they want to function. I love those takeaways. I think that's wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing this very unique special case with us this morning and coming back for another episode. And, for, <laughs> and for everyone listening, where can they find and follow you? Uh, so our practice is Optimum Vision and Eye Care. And you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and our website is optimumvisionaz.com. Wonderful. So I'll link all that in our show notes. And I do just want to say one last thing that I do really love your sentiment that the biggest takeaway is just to keep pushing if the patient is willing to, because the brain really is plastic and it can surprise us. And this is what this case is all about is surprising us left and right that um, brain and visual function can continuously heal and improve. So really thank you again for sharing that with us and we'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks for listening. Join our private Facebook group, Vision is More Than 2020 and follow us on Instagram. For additional content, check out our practice, Twin Forks Optometry on both Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe, download, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Tune in next week to learn more about your vision.